we're talking basketball here on the Hoop Ball Sacramento Kings podcast. I am Sam Comenti, alongside the incomparable and all-knowing Jill Adge. And joining us today, our first guest in this Jill and Sam format of the Hoop Ball podcast, we have Kings Herald-owned Tony Zipteris, joining us from, not Boston, but we're going to say Boston for the sake of it, joining us from a different time zone. Tony, how's it going, man? Sam, it's going great. Thanks for having me on. And it's always a, a pleasure to get back on the, the podcast with Jill, my old podcasting buddy. So I'm yes. um, excited to talk Kings today with you guys. Awesome. We're happy to have you. And Jill, how are you? Sorry, I just totally blew over you there. No, I'm R- good. Rude I'm of good. me, my right? co-host, and I didn't even even say hi to you. Hi, Jill. We're all about, we're all about the guests today. We're good. Yeah, we want to spoil our guests, right? It's like anytime someone comes by your house, you want to just make sure they have everything they need. Tony, you want a water or anything? A beer? I was gonna say, I'm a little cold. Can I take my shoes off? I don't know what the policy is. <laughs> yeah, shoes off, man. Go ahead. Get, get comfortable. A um, couple of things we want to get to right away. We've, of course, had some Kings basketball this week. That's what me and Jill have been talking about mostly, Tony. Uh, number one on my list, though, I have, to, I have to say this to you, man. This is my first time actually seeing you and what you look like. Um, because you and a lot, it seems like a theme amongst the Kings Herald crew and a lot of Kings media, uh, like, Tim Maxwell, Sacktown Baby Draft. I don't know what you guys look like. You don't ever show your faces. So I've known you when, when Jill said Tony's going to join us. I was like, Tony, like the guy who's got Phil Walton in sunglasses and a hippie shirt on his true. Twitter as his, as his bio. She was like, yeah. yeah, exactly. That guy. Awesome. Awesome. Twitter bio profile pic. I laugh every time I see it. It, it causes me to like all your tweets. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I got it messages once in a while. Um, cause I do post pictures. Like I think, um, uh, random story, but Adrian Wojnarowski was in Boston pre pandemic. Uh, he was doing a live podcast with Sam Presti, which was random. I guess Sam Presti might've went to Emerson, which is a college in Boston where they held right. the, uh, the podcast in. And we, uh, me and a friend went in cause we're, you know, we're crazy. I mean, you gotta be a crazy basketball person to buy a ticket for a live podcast. But it was Woj at Emerson College, which was kind of not too far away. Thought it would be a fun little thing to go do. So we went there. It was a packed house. Um, like I said, Sam Presti was there. Troy Reaver was there. So it was a fun little collection of, of basketball Twitter people. You could tell other people there were from basketball Twitter because we were talking to people in front of us in the seats. And they were all like on Twitter, tweeting pictures or whatever. After the show, they did a uh, like a meet and greet. So <clears throat> knowing this is going to happen, I printed out the Adrian Wojnarowski like uh, – the sale of Seattle is first and one on the goal line. The, the like kind of death knell tweet for all the Sacramento people saying that the Kings were leaving. And I printed that out to bring to him to take a picture with, because that'll be funny, um, to have Woj, me and Woj, the picture of him in this tweet that he was clearly wrong about. So I got, it was my turn in line, me and Woj and Sam Presti had a fun time. It was funny that Sam Presti is also in that picture because he had nothing to do with it. Where did, but, uh, where did I, I find this photo? Oh, it's on Twitter. That's what I'm saying. So oh, the okay. reason I started the story is I posted that picture up Never and it, it was me and, and Woj. And I think it was one version with Woj, another with Sam Presti. I might not have posted the Presti one, but people found out what I looked like. And I got oh. a lot of messages <laughs> that were like, oh, so you're not this old guy. Because if you don't click on the Twitter profile, it doesn't say it's Bill Walton. So if you yeah. just look at it. You think I'm like some or a uh, quick a quick scroll through, right? Yeah. You think I'm some crazy like hippie old guy, which I think is really funny that to, that people might think that's what I look like um, or that I'm that old. So so yeah, I get that. I've gotten that a few times when I do post the odd picture that is really me. Um, like oh, so you're not actually that old guy? And I'm like no. And if you don't know, that's Bill Walton. That's on you. Right. That's not on me. Yeah. So they're like, you're not actually Bill Walton. I thought that's <laughs> yeah, what you I mean, were. That is, those are people that obviously don't follow basketball very well. I'm gonna. Right might get sidetracked now because I'm currently on your Twitter page clicked over to media so I can get just the photos. Oh, it's going to be wild. It's a couple yeah. years ago. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll get answer. back to you on this one. I, I'll, I'll casually go through this as we go through the show. But uh, since we were last on the podcast, the Kings wanted another game. They're undefeated. I just like to say that for as long as I can. I don't sure. care that it's preseason. I don't care if they just win the first game of the regular season, and then lose 10 straight. I will definitely say they're undefeated after they win that first game. If they're one and oh, so handled the Clippers. And I say handled because they really took it and ran away with it in the third, in the well, third quarter, second half, um, held their opponent under a hundred. And I just say it like that because that's not a sentence I say ever. They held their opponent under a hundred points. They did mm-hmm. round of applause. Uh, that's an incredible feat for the Sacramento Kings. I don't care that it's preseason. Yeah. 110 98, I believe was the final Tony. What were your takeaways from that last preseason game in Los Angeles? Did you have anything that, that stuck out to you about the way the Kings played? 
I mean, the the only thing is um, obviously the the seven zero streak dating back to to uh, summer league and now preseason. Uh, nothing in particular stuck out to me. I guess maybe like De'Aaron Fox scored so effortlessly and he's, he looks so big now. You see uh, people, you know, tweet all the time about how they've added 15 pounds of muscle or reports about this and that. Fox is a guy, and I actually, I haven't tweeted this out yet, but I, I went back and looked at some footage of him from rookie year. And if you see him now and actually, like you think he gained weight and he did, but if you go watch the highlights from his rookie season, he was tiny. It's crazy. It looks like a totally different person. We're only what four years in. Um, that's not necessarily a takeaway from that Clippers game, but just seeing how how well he played after not playing so great in the in the Phoenix game, um, and then the Kings keep playing well. And this has been my take on sort of Kings fandom forever. Uh, we're allowed to celebrate whatever we want to celebrate. We have Anything. so little to celebrate that we can ironically cheer for a 7-0 winning streak. We can get excited about preseason games. I agree. Like the Laker Lakers fans, they should not get excited about preseason games. Right. But we are allowed to do that. We get nothing. If this is the best, the Kings are going to play all year. I'm not going to dwell on the negative. I'm just going to have a good time watching them play good basketball. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. You right. And then you have to start somewhere, right? Like, I don't care if it's summer league preseason, whatever, like, Build your blocks. You got to start yep. somewhere, whether regardless if it's not game one yet. Um, we're we're playing our main guys right until the very end of of the first fourth quarter, like normal. Um, I could care less if other teams aren't playing their guys. The point mm-hmm. is, the Kings are doing what they are supposed to be doing, and since that is usually rarely the case, as, as small as a thing as it is, you still have to point it out and yeah. say. Good job for doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, it's uh, it's the little things, and we've touched on that quite a bit in these past couple of podcasts. Be optimistic and enjoy enjoy it while you can. Why, why not? You know, it's it's been so long that we've been mistreated as Kings fans. That yeah, I get excited watching highlights of Davion, 13 rebounds, three assists, playing tough defense on Paul George. I enjoy watching that video of Paul George dabbing him up after a great defensive stand. These things that in the long run we'll forget about and mean nothing are things that we can sit on and enjoy for now. And especially because we don't have another game till Monday. They, uh, the schedule kind of, I feel like, got us real excited at Monday, then Wednesday, and then just pretty much almost a week off until they play again against the Blazers on Monday. But, Tony, do you, uh, we, me and Jill have talked about this. Are you believing some of the hype around the Kings in this revamped defensive scheme with Doug Christie on board and our man, Coach Mike, Captain Defense? We try to avoid saying his last name because it also throws us off. But are you believing? Are you falling for like these old old school? It's been like two years. These scores vibes that we're, me and Jill are getting from this year's King squad. Are you feeling uh, it? I, I can't say. I'm not going to go there because okay. that was I've, special. I mean, well, the. I was actually blown away. So I've kind of made fun of the Iman Shumpert um, narrative for years now. I just think it's like a silly thing. Like the way that we romanticize the four months of Iman Shumpert in Sacramento is so funny to me. Make a statue already. Right. I've always thought that. I've always felt that. So watching the Clippers game, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, but it was the Clippers feed. There was no local feed. And it, I, my brain almost exploded on the Clippers they feed. They mentioned the Iman Shumpert era. Never has a yep. middling NBA player meant so much to the narrative of, of a franchise than Iman Shumpert in Sacramento. That blew me away that even the Clippers local team is mentioning a role player that was on the Kings like two years ago. That, that blew me away. So I'm not buying into that part of it because I just don't, I don't know. I don't want to give any more power to the Iman Shumpert narrative. The vibes are good. I'll leave it at that. But I am not going to equate anything to the ridiculousness, in my opinion, of the Iman Shumpert impact. That's just my feelings on it. You don't... They're totally understandable. Yeah. Um, and and I think the thing that got me the most about the whole um, Shumpert thing when it happened was after the trade happened and then they gave the interviews right from the locker room and like the day before interviews or or prior to it happening. And then all of a sudden that it was like that, you know, that game someone does with their hands where it's like, they're smiling and then they're mad, yeah. like in the matter of a second, um, it just changes. And they were verbally saying 
yeah, we, we just don't know like if we can do it with, without him and without that. And to me, it says a lot about Shumpert, but it also says a lot about those guys and those young guys that are still on the team that were part of that, that you're getting these contracts and you're making these, like you're making the money at some point, you got to figure it out, whether there's that kind of vibe person or not. Right. Like, I mean, at some point these guys do have to figure it out. You can't have necessarily just a Tristan Thompson, a Shepard, because who knows if Tristan's even going to be on, you know, the roster the whole year. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. And let's say he is traded. Are they going to do the same kind of thing in the locker room? Yeah, I just don't know if the vibes, you know, going to be the same or not. If you're that serious about making these leaps, they all have to kind of become those guys and, and take that responsibility of keeping that vibe, keeping that flow keeping that going. And, um, you know, maybe Mitchell can, can help with that. Just, just in the fact that on the court, if you're out there with them and you're not giving that effort, it's glaring. Like you have to show up playing with him. And so one thing I did like about, I know that everyone wants to talk about buddy and how many threes he shot and all this stuff is it coming off the bench with Mitchell, his assists are up, his rebounds are up. And last year, I will just say preseason, his defensive rating was 110 and the season it was 116 with Mitchell through these two games. It's 80, 80. Like, I don't think Buddy Hill has ever had a defensive rating of, of 80, like in a two game span, probably ever. I, I understand it's preseason. It's early, but to me, you're showing Hey, I can do it. Like, I don't want to hear the excuses of you're still playing against NBA talent, right? Like you, you're showing yourself that, that you can actually go in there and do it. And so, um, yeah, I think as between the two games, their, their defensive rating is like 98 or something like that. It's, it's under a hundred, which, um, it, it was over a hundred last preseason. So again, like baby steps, progress, you know, whether the stats end up meeting anything or not, I'm going to point them out and people can take, take them how they will. <laughs> um, Good job, Jill. You got to keep us, but up to date you know, I, this. but I appreciate, you know what I mean? Like, you know, for one of the, I mean, buddy's actually showing other, other parts of his game, even if things are, are frustrating and um, you know, I'll always point that out when that, when that's happening. So. Good teams have glue guys. Not just one, though, multiple. And the problem with that 2018 Kings team was that Iman seemed to be, as you guys were just touching on, he was the only glue guy, I guess. Because, yeah, you trade him, and it shouldn't have been that big a deal because he really wasn't someone that was impacting the game on the court necessarily with his play. But it did. It threw off the whole rhythm of this team, and they fell apart at the end, and they blew like a 30-point lead in that last game that really cemented Jaeger's... You also had Alec Alec Burke, who was like... Not scoring, used. I mean, 15 off the bench for, for Cleveland at the time. And all of a sudden couldn't make a basket here and is now back in New York, you know, making every it. basket. So again, it's th- more than just Shumpert leaving. Like we lost a whole part of a, a bench, you know, scoring, you know, like more pieces to that puzzle that were supposed to happen right. that didn't happen. Um, well, didn't and, you know, and, and maybe had he had his average, wouldn't make it wouldn't have made a difference. Um, maybe that would have made all the difference for the Kings and, you know, getting a couple more wins and, and coming out with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, there were a little bit more pieces you could say than I guess just Shumpert as well. Yeah. And they had like the, there was the Brandon Williams and Dave Yeager drama. There was behind yeah. the scenes stuff. There was the Vlade, there was the power circle. So I'm not well, like, and when Yeager I knew that, he was getting canned, even right. though it wasn't public, right. Exactly. Players were already trying to get him canned. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So there were a lot I of things behind that, the scenes. Like, yeah. Shumpert didn't do nothing, but I just think the way that we talk about it now, it's as if, if they did not trade Iman Shumpert, things would be perfect right now. And there sure. was just so many other things going on that the weight that we give it is uh, the only thing that drives me crazy, but you do need those guys. And Tristan Thompson is one of those guys. My, my only point really was like, at some point, the young players need to be the ones that make this really happen because you can, right. You can cycle in and out the role players. Sure. You could have traded Shumpert and got it, got another, you know, quote unquote Shumpert. Uh, And maybe they did that with Thompson. That's great. But the ceiling of this team is on the young players. It's not on what vibes Shumpert can bring, you know, on a quick aside, by the way, did you guys choreograph wearing very similar throwback Kings shirts? (laughs) And I'm wearing (laughs) Jill's got a better shirt than me. 
Yeah. I like both your shirts, but I'm, I feel like an idiot right now. I didn't, no one gave me this memo. No, I'm, I'm dressed super. Yeah, casual. no, I have the, um, the King's Herald Kings yes. going very, on. Very much <laughs> fitting. That's very fitting. Uh, Tony, me and Jill have covered our expectations roughly. I mean, we have more to, we want to get to, especially as preseason rounds out, but we, we did in our, one of our last podcasts, kind of an over under of how many wins we felt the Kings could get this year. Jill set it at 41. So, you know, above 40, I'm going playoffs. Come on. Yes. Let's do it. Play in, play in. <laughs> um, and then I did 45. I said, why not? You know, why not us to send it? Uh, some, someone needs to, you know, really push in all these good vibes. Yep. Me and Jill being those people, it seems. <laughs> so what, what do you think the expectation could be for Sacramento? It is for Sacramento this year, in your opinion, and, and throw out a win loss record, if you wouldn't mind. Um, I think this is, and I don't know if I've said that, well, we haven't, I'll just come out and say it. I think okay. that this team is a, uh, if they don't make the play in, it will be a disappointing season. So I don't know how many wins that's going to take in the West, sure. but I do think, uh, and I guess the, the, the grounds or the, the goal I'm setting here is what result will this, what result would make the end of this season not be, or the off season be a, a time of like massive sweeping change. And I think if you don't make the play in, then Walton's out. I don't know what the future for McNair is and you're making massive changes. So I think, the expectation, I think internally, and I think because it's the internal expectation, it, it reflects back on the fan base. We've been led to believe that anything other than a play-in would be a, a pretty big disappointment, a failure, yeah. right? So that's my expectation. Now, the other part of this is that uh, I'm a little bit disappointed that I'm only expecting a 10 seed because coming into the off season, we heard about how aggressive the Kings were going to be. We heard about trades they were trying to make. Um, you know, we know Monty McNair was active. He almost traded Buddy Heald. So my expectations are the play-in. And oddly enough, I'm sort of disappointed that my expectations aren't higher because I kind of sure. thought they would do a little bit more to make me feel like that was a given instead of what we're hoping the result would be. Wow. That's actually, it's just interesting the way you said it, that you, you're disappointed that your expectations are so low. It's like, Dude, you're a Kings fan. Your expectations are always right here. I mean, no one can see me, but right here on the floor. I mean, that's that's where most expectations are. So I think it's actually great that you have this set expectation that they should be a playing team because they should be. Yeah. They absolutely should be. Well, and it came from Monty's mouth, right? right. Like right. he flat out said, if if we're not doing that, then I'm failing. Like as, as simple as that is, that's why I was brought in here. And right. And half the league makes it every year. We we continue to say it. I know we're in the West and I know it's brutal, but Half the league makes the playoffs yeah. every yeah, season. I think the big difference is they're trying to win. So when you talk about being yeah. a Kings fan and having low sure. yeah, most okay. of that was seasons where we knew they weren't trying to win. But they so would say it, right? Right, yeah. yeah. But even then, they like I remember last season. You knew there was an underlining. <laughs> yeah, like Monty was afraid to say the playoffs were. He would not say it. I, I made a mental note of that. All last year, he would not say playoffs. And they they grilled him about it. He would not relent on that. He would not just say the word playoffs. He would just say, we're going to try and win games, whatever. Now they're saying the word. And so, so that's the reason why I think even as a Kings fan, you can be uh, disappointed that the expectations are low, even if that's playing because we haven't been led to believe they were even trying to win for, for at least a couple of years, or we knew that they had no shot. I would say sure. this team, they're saying they want to win, and objectively, they do have a shot to win. Right. Win meaning a 10 seed. So I do think those, those both aligning hasn't really happened in a really long time, where they're, they're saying they want to win, they're trying to win, and even as an outsider, you see the roster and say, all right, this roster is good enough for a 10 seed. I mean, Monty McNair's out here tweeting like someone that seems pretty confident. Right, with this exactly. team, am I right? He's putting and himself out there now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's yep. that's it's yeah. just so incredible to me to look at the difference between Monty and how he operates as a general manager, how well spoken he is, um, how I mean, he's a Princeton grad. He's obviously very smart, and you compare that to Vlade, who's just like that old school basketball guy. I was a center. I played overseas, obviously because he's from overseas, from Serbia, uh, Hall of Fame. I mean, just like polar opposites in terms of who they are as people. And I don't know how you feel about this, Tony. I also find it reassuring. You're talking about how Monty's tiptoeing, or at least he was last year, around what he's saying, trying not to set off false expectations or hopes or say the word playoffs. Isn't that nice to have a, a GM that's not going to give in to the press's pressure when they, you know, these almost like trick questions that fooled someone like Vlade, which in Vlade's defense, English is not his first language. So kind of picking on him, honestly, when they would do stuff like that to him. But McNair... 
way too savvy to fall into that trap. And I, I just enjoy it because there's no headline stupid quotes coming from our general manager now because he's not putting that out there. Yeah. Well, and granted, Monty had years of of being groomed at to of how to tiptoe around it, right? Yes. Where where Vladi was coming in as a former player ambassador, like, you know what I mean? Like totally different um job descriptions, right? right. Like, no, it's, yeah. Polar you know, especially, and especially if you're asking him to come in and be the people person, right? Like that was always the seller too, that he's the people person and you have, you know, someone else is like scouting, someone else is doing contracts like that. So like when you threw reason. everything on a, a, a newbie, like it, what happened was not a shock to anybody, right? Where, which is why I think everyone has such high expectations for money because, and the rest of this staff, like, he pulled guys from Oklahoma city. He pulled guys from Atlanta. He pulled guys from the Sixers. Like you pulled him from Houston. Like you grabbed guys that were successful in rebuilding, you know, franchises for, you know, while they were there for years at a time and finding talent. So they can't really use, you know, the excuses anymore of, you know, what we don't have the talent or the people around um, that should be able to figure it out. Yeah, I, sometimes I think back on the Vlade Divac era, and I don't know that we fully appreciate how absolutely ridiculous hiring him to run the organization is. I mean, yeah. I saw I saw um, Ben Wallace. The Pistons just hired Ben Wallace, and they brought him into yeah. their organization. They didn't make him the dude in charge of everything. Right. <laughs> there is a way you can bring back, you know, former legends and groom them into whatever you see their role being. You don't take a guy who's been out of the country. I mean, he wasn't even living here for a while. Right. Some Olympic committee in Serbia. You don't yep. take that guy and just say, all right, Vlade, now make all the decisions. That is Fix the this. craziest thing I've ever heard. If you, if like we, I don't know, we went through a lot, guy. It was a lot. I mean, those yeah. five years of just this person who I love to death, my favorite king of all time. I know. And yeah. honestly, his run hasn't even clouded my perception of him that much because I'm there with he you. He have been in yeah. that position. He just shouldn't have been in it. Yeah. And some people will look at that as me like taking the blame off of Vlade, and maybe I am. It's a soft spot for me. I can't help but but I'm doing that. He should have never been given that amount of responsibility. It's a crazy thing. Yeah, and the fact that Vlade even had some success during his tenure, to your point, wow. I mean, good for you. It, it's kind of like, yeah, just I mean, one of us getting. I mean, not because Tony or uh, Vlade obviously has a basketball background. He played, but in terms of management, yeah, he had no idea what he was doing. And, he wasn't even in the country. He wasn't even focused on what was probably going well, on with the Kings yeah. basketball. So might as well throw me or Tony or Jill or Damien or someone and have them run the team. Cause you're going to probably have the same concept of like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just a fan. I'm, you know, I'm a There's a reason guy. why you see a lot of lawyers running these places is because right. like you need that kind of, kind of Analytical background guys. because well, and there's so many rules and different things that like the normal person is never going to pay attention to, right? That there's so much stuff that we still say that we know that we have no idea um, the, the ins and outs of, of mm -hmm. what goes on in a, um, in a front office and the, the laws and the rules and the bargaining, you know, agreements like it's dates and, you know, when things can, can go and not go. And it's, yes, it's a lot to throw on someone who's, who has um, no experience. So yeah, it's keep going with McNair. Like it's, um, again, the expectations are, are set and set by his own words, <laughs> whether, yep. um, you know, from the end of the, the, um, I think it was like, was it his exit kind of like press conference and then between draft and draft and now, and then every article that's come out from anybody affiliated with it that, um, you know, he's still looking for that that big swing out there, you know, and I'll say this where you were said that you were, you know, not upset, but kind of disappointed, which, which I totally understand. But in the same sense, I also like that. He's not like he's made that his goal, but we haven't seen him force a bad deal to happen yet because he, because he's so focused on getting that it, it hasn't, you know, appeared yet th that we know of. Um, and so at least he's still leaving himself open where I thought in years previous, maybe something didn't, you know, show up. And so we kind of threw darts at things and just prayed that they hit 
rather than just kind of letting some time go and then see how pieces go. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see if, if him not, I guess, forcing anything and letting it go, if something does materialize and it's like, okay, good job on, on waiting. Yeah. Um, because like you said, we, we did see that, um, you know, the buddy move wouldn't necessarily have been, a you know, that large fish that, you know, classified as that. And I thought that showed he kind of was okay to deviate from going that and okay, I'm getting a possible three for one here. Right. It was like the draft pick, um, Kuzma and Trez. So we've seen him kind of, you know, keep it, keep his options open, but again, it's, it's, you know, t- depending on how the season starts out, it's yeah. things can change pretty quick. Um, as, as we know around here. Oh yeah. So oh, as, yeah. as always time will tell. Tony, I got a before we shift. Cause I, I want to cover, ask you a question, Tony, uh, about something you tweeted. We're going to cover it, but th- this is just a question, trick question or bonus question, whatever you want to call it. Fun fact. What was Peja Stoyakovich's job for the Sacramento Kings? Go. Uh, he was the assistant general manager for one at one time. I think he was also the G League general manager at one point. I think he got a promotion. Both incorrect. He did pretty oh. much nothing but look incredibly suave on the sideline, drinking always, 100% of the time, a Starbucks coffee. That was the correct answer. I'm really bummed you missed on that. Well, well I, I mean, I would, I would hire – I mean, I, I will definitely look at Peja. That's fine with me. I mean, put him on the screen – that's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. I felt like he was there for looks. Like, look at see Pager's over there. Did you see Pager? He did great. Like, he Pager. nailed that. He nailed yeah. that job. No, he that's what, I figured that was actually his role. I don't know what it means to be the assistant general manager running the G League. I don't believe any of that. Hocus pocus. Okay, shifting gears. Tony, you were um pointing out very astutely, I should say, and some other Kings people have done this as well. The Kings are on a uh, a pretty remarkable winning streak right now in terms of breaking a curse we want to call it a curse i'm not quite sure but according to your calculations i'm going to point this on you just in case you were wrong because i don't want to be pinned for it the kings are seven and oh since shaq shaquille o'neal's ownership stake in the team that never made any sense to begin with his ownership stake in the team was taken away or he removed it i'm not i, I don't know the exact way to word sold that it. he sold it yeah. okay i'm trying to make sure I, I phrase that the correct way since shaq sold his stake in the team that he should have never had the Kings are seven and zero. Tony, is this is this what we've been waiting for? Shaq to get the hell out, and then now the Kings can be a dynasty. Is that what's is that what I'm seeing happening? I'm definitely happy he's gone. I'll say that. Although I, this is like this is out of my depth. I do have some very minor concerns about whatever weird institution just purchased like twenty percent of the Kings. I don't know what any of that shadowy <laughs> business is. I just assume there's like this. Darth Vader type, like looming over Vivek. Now I have no idea if that's true. I don't. Was it? Is this the same group that there was at some point over the summer? It was talked about that there was a group that like had purchased multiple stakes and multiple teams. I don't know if this is that same group. And if that's the case, it was they were just throwing money in, and it's none of this sounds like it's like keeping teams alive. (laughs) Yeah, it is my understanding that you're correct. Yeah, it's that same group that bought like a I don't know ten percent of five different teams. Like right? Me neither. That's why I just I assume at some point this is going to come back to bite. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I think that's. Uh, Sorry, go ahead, Tony. No, I was going to say on the so on the seven game win streak. This goes back to my thing where it's like just let us have a little fun. Like we know it doesn't mean anything, right? And also, I think this is just we're giving everyone outside of Sacramento a little a little taste. And I know I'm not the first person to say this. We've all said this. Don't let the Kings get good because you're about to get the most obnoxious group of people on the planet. (laughs) We're on a seven zero win streak from the summer league and the preseason, and people won't shut up about it. So talk about it on uh, a podcast, yeah, right. So God forbid they make the playoffs look out. That's all it is. I love that, man. That's so fantastic. <laughs> I want your tweets, all of them. I'm a huge fan. Like you're one of my, this is not, I'm not just saying this because you're on the show. I mean, I have been a, a fan of the stuff you put out there, but when I saw that and it was coinciding with several other people too, not to yeah. discredit you, but like everyone kind of had a, a thought and seemed at the same time, like, wait a minute, we haven't lost and Shaq got out. And I, I, I'm very superstitious. I definitely believe in stuff like that. I, I mean, I think that, tied in with you know um arco arena sleep train arena's demolition i feel like this is like a perfect storm as we head into the season where it's like everything is all the monkeys have been hurled off our backs of the sacramento kings franchise like i'm, I'm putting that out there into the open into the world i think every, we're clear we have a. I think all that's left is tearing down 
Urko. Like right, the demolition of that. I think yeah. someone said that the last one might be that place, you know, being when it's, it's finally demolished happen, yeah. and the hospital being built that that might like <laughs> be the last piece. <laughs> yeah. Bright future. Yeah. New beginnings. That's, yeah, that's I don't know. On one hand, yes, we're riding high, but I mean, this could all collapse in a, in a moment. That's oh. why I'm, but that's it why, you know that's why you and, get and it in when you can. You that's know? why you hope for the best, expect the worst. Like yeah. it's, we're gonna enjoy sure it while you can, that. right? Yeah. We're going to enjoy it while we can. Jill, that should be your Instagram or Twitter bio at the very least, because that's become the catchphrase of this podcast since me and you have been doing it. <laughs> um, well, the other one I have is, what is it? Um, that that build where it's on the building where it says, I know everything happens for a reason. Right. But what the F? Tweet. <laughs> like yeah. it's... I, everything with the kings like you want to tell me everything happens for a reason what is the reason <laughs> yeah tell me god uh tony speaking of pin tweets i'm just getting off the rails here your pin tweet though also fantastic i i might be in the minority here i'm actually a huge fan and still am to this day i he's not the best people person and that doesn't work in today's sports outlook uh sports world you need to be really good communicating with your teammates or your players however it goes but i like dave yeager I thought Dave Yeager was the smartest head coach to come through Sacramento since Rick Adelman. And I loved his fire. I love those type of coaches that have like a mean streak or will get in the player's face or will be animated with the refs. I love that. It makes it way more exciting than Luke Walton sitting there very stoic, just thinking about the four concepts that run through his head at all times. Uh, in your pin tweet, Tony, is Yeager looking at something that happened with the Kings in like 2018 and being like, what the hell? Is that what he said? We're like, what was that? I don't know if we're allowed to cuss on this. What was that shit? I'm just going to say it. Yeah. He said that. I don't know what the guidelines are here, but that was so funny. You're that, fine. You're fine. Okay. Whew, thank God. Uh, that made me laugh though. Cause it's like, I made me miss Dave Yeager. I'm like, I miss that. You know, I want more Luke Walton punching clipboards and just screaming at nobody. Cause that <laughs> fires me up, man. I was a big fan of Dave Yeager. Um, I might put Michael Malone above him if I had to like power oh, rank yes. the coaches Sorry. Uh, post Adelman. But, me. um, but yeah, I was, a, I was a big Dave Yeager fan. Although I, I mean, it's interesting uh Jaeger's relationship with the players got him fired right and Walton's relationship with the players Kept saved his job, his job. Saved yeah. his job. so yeah. you know I think that tells you kind of where the NBA is and that's I'm not saying that's even a bad thing I'm like for as much as I criticize Luke Walton then I will say back to the Monty conversation um he hasn't made too many mistakes I do think retaining Luke Walton and sort of hitching his wagon to Walton and, and supporting him the way that he did was the one uh, place in addition to you know letting bogey go but that was two years ago he just got on the job whatever we can talk about that if you want but the keeping luke walton was a, a big decision that could bite him later on so i don't think he's had a perfect run a mistake-free run i think he has with, with sure. uh he hasn't made any like personnel mistakes yet that we know of we don't know what trades didn't happen etc but um of what we do know i do think retaining walton in a very important season could be a mistake. And I think, you know, for as optimistic as we are or aren't, I think this fan base would be even more charged in a 7-0 win streak if there was a new coach here that we all had a little bit more faith in because Luke Walton, to me, outside of being buddy-buddy with the players, hasn't really done a whole lot that gets me, me excited with his, uh, his coaching. But I guess we'll see it's a new staff this year to some degree. Maybe he's, he's learned some things too. Yeah, yeah I mean, we saw, and, and to your point, we saw a lot of coaches right in the offseason – good successful coaches who were let go because of the relationships they have with the players on, um, on their old team. And so that's, um, you know, w whether we agree with the decisions or not, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty common at this point in the, in the NBA and it being such a, um, a player's league as people want to yeah. say, uh, right now during this moment. So you guys just created a perfect segue so a round of applause i really appreciate that because now the next topic we're going to get to is a little roundtable discussion about who we believe the best rookie coach of the seven new coaches in the nba who we think will have the most successful first year and success can be however you define it but i do want to point out because i wrote some notes down about the coaches the league is definitely shifting as you guys were just touching on to how teams hire coaches like what they want in a coach the brains and the X's and O's guys and the guy that really is good at yelling at people, the Dave Yeagers, that's out of style now. At least it seems to be going that way. Greg Popovich is the last of a dying breed. The average age of these seven new coaches, I had to do math. I can't believe I did this. Thank God for calculators. The average age of these seven coaches is 47 years old. That is including, though, 
Rick Carlisle, who's 61, taking over again, the Indiana Pacers. However, you take that out, obviously, the average age of these guys is like 42. Six of the seven played pro basketball. Jamal Mosley for the Magic played overseas in Australia and Spain. Wes Unsell Jr., a little hint, wink to you, Jill, because I know you're a big fan of his, did not play in the NBA. However, of course, but has a Hall of Fame dad. Has a Hall (laughs) of Fame dad uh, who just and grew up on the court, regardless. Grew up on the court. Yeah. I just to say this about one Wes Unseld, the the late Wes Unseld Sr., Hall of Fame player, MVP in 1969. He was a center in that time in the NBA. He was 6'7. I just thought that was funny. 6'7 center just shows how far the NBA has has gone and how things have changed because that's Buddy Heald playing center. But Yes, the new coaches in the NBA are young former players that aren't, I don't think, considered very wise in terms of X's and O's, maybe Wes Unseld, but not really, that's not, that's not what they're known for. They're known as guys that can connect with this age of players because they are in that age group. Jason Kidd, for sure, although that's, he's kind of a polarizing one, but you know he played not that long ago. So with that said, Tony, go ahead, you can start us out. Who do you think will have the most success in this new era that we're ushering in of NBA head coaches? I think, uh, and I'm going local here, not just because it's local, but I do think Ime Udoka has a great shot in Boston for a couple of reasons. He's entering uh, um, a fan base, or I guess an organization, a roster that underperformed last year, in my opinion. So they should have been, they should have been better this year, regardless. Then you bring in a coach who seemingly is doing uh, everything that, uh, Brad Stevens did not do, which was connect with the players, um, <clears throat> build relationships, whatever that entails. But you also have Brad Stevens X's and O's still in the organization as a general manager and a lot of his coaching staff. So, you know, he's going to have some input on how the team plays, even if he's not on the bench every night. So I just think it's a perfect storm there for you to take a roster that underperformed last year and increase their wins and their playoff run by such a wide margin that he gets a lot of credit for their turnaround. Not that he shouldn't, but I do think he's just in a, a perfect situation where that team was better than they played. They got a little bit better. Their roster, I think they brought it back. Al Horford, uh, Josh Richardson, they brought in. They got uh, Dennis Schroeder on a tiny contract who Schroeder might be better than Kemba Walker in 2021 anyways. Ooh. So I think, uh, I mean, Kemba, they, they gave away Kemba. I mean, they, yeah. They well, if he stays healthy, out. right? Like he's yeah. going to be on the court more. That's exactly. the, yeah. And, um, so and they just pick. came out, he just came out and said that yesterday that, they're expecting um, Horford to actually play back-to-backs for the first time this year in the last couple of seasons. So, I mean, that would be huge for them too. Again, if you Players have um, someone that can stay healthy and and on the court. So Yeah, and Yudoka yeah. comes from the, the Greg Popovich coaching tree. So he also has yep. the X's and O's. Just like, I, that's the guy I would have been thrilled if the Kings hired. So uh-huh. that's another part Same. of my decision. It's a coach that I would have wanted on a team that's much better than the Kings. So I think it's just a, a perfect recipe for a, a good first year. Beautiful. I, I yep. we're gonna obviously get mine at the end, but we're we're thinking the same here, Tony. Jill, yeah, I already I'll, know what yours is, but dive in. Well, no, I was gonna actually say, depending on someone's um, definition of success, like I was gonna say, someone who should come in and automatically, based on the talent on the team, it should be email, like based on his history and and working through the sport uh, Spurs organization and then being I think what then he went to did he was he Philly one year and then the yeah. Nets yes and then was he Nets last year so yeah. I mean he's been under uh between Pop and um Brett Brown is, is was he yeah I, a yes, coach but a, a, also a Popovich tree um and then I mean I know Steve Nash was new last year but the the coaching tree that was around um Steve Nash last year was, was top notch. So, um, yeah, I I'm excited for Ime to finally get his opportunity because I, you guys know, I always have my lists of, of, um, coaches, you know, after every, every King season and, um, and my other person Wes Unseld were, were at the top. So, um, you know, at least in the top five. And, uh, so my other guy, I would say Wes Unseld, I won't necessarily, he'll be successful in the wins and losses, Mm -hmm. but I am excited for that guy to finally get his first opportunity. And I do think you'll see growth because they, they do have a mix there now of, of young and some, some solid vets. Yeah. I know Beal's kind of going to be your, your star, but then the rest of it, it's, it's journeyman vets and, uh, and rookies. Sorry. There's a truck going by. Um, and so, but I mean, he's one guy where he has taken 
two separate teams and, and taken them to the top 10 in the league and offense and defense. Not many coaches can say that they can run the X's and O's of offense and defense, right? You're always having your specialists, um, going around and he's young. He's only 44, but he's been coaching for 15 seasons. Like that's, you know, he'll be now six, six year 16. So, uh, again, he's held almost every position possible. He's coached in the NBA and the WNBA. I mean, the guy's pretty much filled every, every, uh, coaching rank that you can hold, uh, leading up to being a head coach. So I'm really excited for him to get his shot. And I do think a sleeper could be Jamal Mosley in, in Orlando just because nobody expects anything over there. But that guy's been on three separate three separate teams. He started with George Carl in Denver, um, then went to Cleveland, and then um, Dallas, and now Orlando. But each time when he started with those teams, they were in the rebuilding phase, and he stayed there long enough for them to actually rebuild and be successful. So I, I do think uh, people are sleeping on him and I do. And I hope in that sense, Orlando keeps him around because he's done it with um, four different organizations. I'd like to see him get that shot to, uh, to complete it in Orlando as well. Either of you guys are going to mention that Ime was part of one of the greatest Sacramento Kings teams of all time. Seriously, neither of you 2009, 2010 Sacramento Kings. He played in that comeback. He was in that Chicago was- Bulls comeback. Thank you, Tony. Yep. I, I, I mean, he got deserve some love for how I, I, I go watch that. He was. Uh, I do think a lot of people locally know that. Yeah, <laughs> on, his, on the twenty-two win team that they had that year. Yeah, mine was um, to to finish this one off. It, it I had Ime too, Tony. I, I, I'm a huge fan of his. I think he would have been excellent as a Kings head coach. Um, he has the background. He has the you know former player that he can. You can really connect to those guys and understand them on a more personal level. He's also in the best of these coaches outside of Jason Kidd, which I say that with a sigh because it's Jason Kidd and I don't like him. I think his reputation precedes him as a head coach. But Jason Kidd, of course, has Luka Doncic and Kristaps and an incredibly talented Dallas Mavericks team. He's expected to win. Do I think that's going to blow up? I do. I don't know how that's going to work very well, truthfully. I do believe Ime will work in Boston. And that team will be very good and be top five in the in the East, which isn't saying a whole lot. It's the Eastern Conference. And yeah, Jamal Mosley, I also think he deserves a little bit of love. Orlando has some talent on that team. They have no expectations, though. Perfect situation for a well-respected assistant to step into, former assistant, now head coach. And then wrapping a bow on it, Darvin Ham is not a head coach. Absolutely should be a head coach. Darvin Ham, the associate head coach. Oh, yeah. For the Milwaukee Bucks under Budenholzer, Budenholzer, excuse me, absolutely deserves to be a head coach, Jill. And I think next year he's a guy that should be at the top of every list for teams looking for head coach. That man, that guy deserves it. Yeah, I think he was one of the last finalists with Wes, I believe, right? Yes. In, yes. In uh, in Washington, but you know what's going to be interesting is is last year um, New Orleans blamed all of their failures on um, Stan Van Gundy. And now they bring in Willie Green, who players, you know, supposedly love, right? Um, he's he's a player's coach. And so it'll be interesting to see if uh, what he can get out of uh, the New Orleans team, because again, they have, right? Similar to the Kings, they have really high hopes because they, they want to keep Zion. They want to keep him happy. They have to deal with much more talk than, than we do. Um, thank God. Uh, nationally. <laughs> But uh, that's, you know, uh, that's kind of going to be a make or break year with uh, Griffin, I think, too, um, over there. So yeah, that, that's talent. another another name to keep an eye on to right. see if he's able to to rally the troops and uh, with the Pelicans. He's definitely an outlier because I don't think any of us know enough about him as a coach to really have too much of an opinion because he hasn't been a coach for very long. But he is also in a position where he has a talented roster, but a very evasive general manager. So I don't know if that's a great situation to succeed i hope he does because i hope zion makes the playoffs he deserves to be at the at the front of everything happening in today's end i just hope they don't make the playoffs before we do fair <laughs> enough very true the pelicans what always a hilarious name for a team okay final segment here we're going to go ahead and share our sleeper teams kind of going hand in hand with the, who we think will be the best rookie coach why not throw out who we think will be the sleeper team the the best underdog story of 2021 tony you're the guest today please Tell us who do you think is going to surprise people this season? 
you're going to have to tell me if this counts as a sleeper. It's a sleeper okay. to me in the sense that they weren't in the playoffs last year, but I loved, unless I'm forgetting a move that I didn't love, so I, I will uh, reserve Revoke the right it. to take the statement back if I go and look okay. up and see a transaction I didn't like. But from my recollection, I loved everything the Chicago Bulls did this summer. They went for it on every level in a way that we thought the Kings were going to go for it. It started last uh, last trade deadline with Vucevic. It, they brought in Lonzo Ball, who I had been begging the Kings to sign for two years now, knowing he wanted out of New Orleans. Alex Caruso, a great little piece off the bench. They already have Zach Levine, who has transcended into a star to a level that I didn't know that he necessarily had in him. They lost Laurie Markkinen, who I do enjoy as the player, but there was some weird chemistry there. They got a much better coaching staff than they had in the, uh, I forget that dude's name. Jim, Jill, Jim Boylan. Remember. Jim, the Jim Boylan era. Um, the Eastern Conference is, yeah. is weaker than they than the West. So I think there's some more upside, some more ability to shift in higher seeds there. So I think the Bulls are going to be a playoff team. I don't know if that makes them a sleeper. I could even see them making top four if everything breaks right in the wow. East for them. I just really like how they went for it. They were sort of in, in no man's land. And over the course of nine months, they were able to turn their roster for something that was very unappealing with chemistry issues and a terrible head coach and one player in Zach Levine to this roster now that has a lot of talent up and down and, uh, and they're going for it. And Zach, and it, it made Zach Levine happy. The fan base is charged. I know I follow a lot of bulls fans on Twitter. They're all talking about how the bulls are back and I kind of buy it. I believe him. Um, so that's my sleeper Chicago bulls. I don't believe that. I was actually going to say the same thing. Oh, dang it. I'm right there with you. Um, I was, now that you said them, the only other team I I really enjoyed the moves that they made were, uh, was the Raptors. They didn't make the playoffs again last year. I don't necessarily, they're, if they're going to do it, they'll probably be towards, towards the bottom unless they surprise some people. But I do like the young youth movement that they have going there and the size. I think their size is going to give a lot of um, problems to teams. If they can stay yeah. healthy, I think they have a, a good chance of, of surprising people just because I don't, most teams I don't think are going to be able to match up um, when they throw out a, uh, four, six, eight guys and Fred Van Fleet. Scotty looks so good already too. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, Chicago was, was the other one. And then I'll say Toronto, I think has a good shot just for their defense and uh, size and grit. Well, they're also very well coached and the bulls. Billy Donovan is a phenomenal, very often underrated head coach. Um, And a new, they, they had their new front office, right? Last year. Um, They, a Greek guy, uh, Tony. Karnasovas, I believe. Is that yeah, the, from, from Denver. Yeah. Um, yep. And so he learned how to build well there. And uh, he's he uh, didn't take him long in Chicago to do it. Both both teams have a common theme of being very versatile. Um, as Jill, you just said, Chicago could easily run out of lineup that has Lonzo, Caruso, DeRozan, Levine, and then Vucevic. There's one big dude in the yep. center for the Raptors. That big guy would be either Siakam, who's not even big, or Ken Birch, who had a really good... Uh, finished to the year for them last year. So yeah, they're, they're teams that are very modern NBA teams. They're, they're heavy on guards and wing players. And we're going to beat you with the fact that you can't guard all of this. Uh, my surprise team sleeper team. Now I feel kind of dumb compared to what you guys said. I, again, success is taken in different ways. I, I just, the first team I thought of is uh, the Detroit Pistons. I think they're a sleeper team just because Kate Cunningham is Kate Cunningham. Mm-hmm. I think Kelly Olenek is uh wildly overpaid seemingly everywhere he goes but a terrific stretch player who's a veteran on a young team that will probably score a lot of buckets jeremy grant was so good last year and nobody talked about him because he was playing for the pistons uh and sadiq bay uh trey lyles is a rebounding machine who will be a good addition for them off their bench josh jackson just geez josh jackson former third overall pick with the suns he's looked really good under Dwayne casey last year and then so far preseason i don't know they just got a bunch of young super talented players that I'm very excited to see play it with no expectations whatsoever. So I do think for that reason, and with a coach who's been there, done that won a lot of games, they could surprise some, some people. They, they definitely can't. And again, in the East, you guys both listed Eastern conference teams. Anything's possible in the East. Yeah. It really is. Any team can right. pop out of nowhere and win a lot of games because the conference is for some reason, always so poor. So yeah, mine's the Detroit Pistons. I also think the Houston Rockets could make some noise in terms of just being a tough team to beat with all the young people they acquired. I know, Tony, you're a big fan of a lot of the, the prospects that they were able to snag on draft night, if I'm remembering correctly. Were you an Alperin fan? Oh, yeah. Shen Goon's my guy, for sure. Yeah, Goonies. 
Sangoonies. Goon Squad. Yeah. And then they Goon have Garuba. They yep. got Garuba too. Garuba. They got the best defender, no offense guy, and the best offense, no defense guy in the front court to me. I love yeah. that. Versatility. Christopher man. from ASU. Josh yeah, Christopher. They, they, uh, they had a good draft. Yes. So no, I think there's a lot of good, young, exciting teams this year, and it makes the NBA even more, you know, I'm, I'm in more anticipation going into this season. So, Tony, you say Bulls. Jill says Bulls slash Raptors. I'm throwing stuff at the wall and saying the Pistons. So those are our sleeper teams for 2021. And unless you guys got anything else for today, I'm thinking we want to put a bow around that. I think we've uh, we've really regurgitated a lot of good basketball stuff on this <laughs> podcast today. That felt like a podcast, yeah. It, it, that, they, thank you. You took the words right out of my mouth. That, like that felt like a podcast. <laughs> Hell yes. And uh, yeah, so please, guys, go follow us. I say this at the end of every episode. Follow Jill. Follow me. Follow Tony. Tony's going to give you a lot of good insight and a lot of great clips of Tyrese Halliburton. A big Halley guy, aren't you, Tony? Big Halley. We all are. And we Tony, are. I think most people know where to find your your information and your podcast but if you want to oh, yes, go I'm ahead sorry. and put it out there just... i meant to say that too go ahead Tony. yeah just go find i mean the king's herald on twitter and then they usually retweet all of our uh kevin does a great job sharing all of our stuff so you'll see us all over there uh so just go follow the king's herald support us on patreon if you want patreon.com slash king's herald that'd be awesome uh excited for another season um covering the kings independently it's been an interesting run having nothing just kind of being out on our own but it's been fun so uh yeah join join the ride if you'd like to Oh, yes. Absolutely. You guys write great stuff. Um, he is not Bill Walton. So if you see his not page and you, you're like, who's that? It's not him. You, you may think right I'm spot. on edibles, though. You may think I am very much Bill Walton if you read right. my tweets. So Bill we'll Walton was on edibles well, when he was in that photo, right? He oh, had to have been. He was no, high as hell. Nonstop. Nonstop. He's a grateful dead guy. He just follows them around the, the uh, nation and smokes weed all the time. That's a very known Bill Walton protect thing. Protect that man yeah. at all costs. And if you're not already listening to Tony's podcast, go to the King's Please Herald do, and yeah. listen to... Um, the go. Kings, is it the Kings Herald show? Kings Herald show with Jerry Reynolds. Our, our okay. With Jerry, Jerry yep. The legend, Jerry Reynolds, Will and the Tony, legend. and you will not be disappointed. I have a good story with Jerry Reynolds when I work for NBC that I'll share next podcast with you, Jill. Just a great man all around through and through just the most genuine human being you will ever meet. We'll yeah, save that. I, I, we'll, we'll save it with Jerry. Just like there are people that uh, are not as nice as they seem all the time. Jerry Various. is nicer in is person Jerry. than he seems yeah. on TV. Just a saint, just the best. I, man, what a treat! I could like nothing even remotely negative about the experience no. working with Jerry. It's been fantastic. Sacramento is truly blessed to have a yeah. man like Jerry Reynolds. Thank you guys for listening. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Beat LA, baby.